Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, share it with your friends, wherever you see Joe and I on social media, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Rumble. Please help us out. Like, subscribe, share. Joe, we always say that in, in the in the beginning, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith. And there's a lot of times when Joe and I say people don't tell the truth on a number in a number of different areas when it comes to the Catholic Church. Um, I'm not I'm not sitting here like we're not babes in the woods. OK, we understand, you know, there have been dark times in the church, but on certain topics, people just sometimes either either are misinformed or they blatantly lie. And the reason why I'm saying all that is because we have on today. Um, and we're very pleased and honored to have on today Dr. Paul Kengor, because we're going to be discussing his new book, The Worst of Indignities, The Catholic Church on Slavery. Joe, I think that means we're going into the breach. Oh, without uh, a doubt. No, without a doubt. And that's available at Emmaus Road Press. And we'll let Paul let everybody know in a little while where else they could buy the book. Now, many of you have seen Paul all over the place, whether it's social media, whether it's Catholic media, or even secular media. Having said that, for those of you who are not familiar, uh, Paul Kengor, PhD, is a best-selling author whose works include Dupes, How America's Adversaries Have Manipulated Progressives for a Century, God and Ronald Reagan, God and George W. Bush, God and Hillary Clinton, that must be a real winner. Um, <laughs> the Crusader, Ronald Reagan. Why do we and laugh when people say that? <laughs> What's that? Yeah, that's funny. When when, uh, when when I when I'm in when I'm introduced in uh, whether on radio or like public settings, in fact, in front of a live audience, it's best because because it'll often be a conservative audience and they'll say God and Ronald Reagan, God and George W. Bush, and people are like, hmm, hmm. And then they say God and Hillary Clinton, and there's this kind of oh, like like a laugh in the audience. Like, did he really write that? But, but a collective but, yeah, gasp. <laughs> right, right. But but you know, and then sorry to sorry to cut no, in no, my, no, please. But but um, yeah, in her case, she's somebody who's a religious left Christian, right? United Methodist Church. And so I thought it'd be fun to do to do something on somebody from that perspective to let people know that there are people out there that just don't Christians don't all think like conservative Christians, right? I, I mean, you know, there there are pro-choice Christians like her so anyway sorry to jump in no 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 that, that's fine and that's true and that's a conversation we're going to have when you come back to the show <laughs> um and uh and and yes and ronald reagan and the fall of communism now his articles regularly appear in publications ranging from usa as i said secular media usa today new york times uh numerous academic journals he's a professor at grove city college uh kangor is a frequent commentator on television and radio he's earned his bachelor degree and phd from the university of pittsburgh and his master's from american university paul kangor welcome to the front line with joe and joe brother 
Well, thanks. And let me add one thing. So I'm the editor of the American Spectator. So if you want to read my articles, it's it's spectator.org. In fact, they just did a piece for Columbus Day, and this will come up today probably in our conversation called Indigenous Slavers, where I talk about slaves are owned by American Indian tribes. And people don't talk about this much, right? While they're canceling Columbus, they don't talk about this. And also, um, we're recording this shortly after the feast day of Pope John Paul II. I did a book called A Pope and a President on Ronald Reagan and John Paul II. So um, throw that out to this audience as well. But, But anyway, great to be with you guys. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Paul. And yeah, so I'm going to hand it over to Joe, and this is going to be a great conversation. Joe Resinello. Paul, we always say a a quick prayer to Our Lady before we begin. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. Mother, the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Well, Paul, let's lay the groundwork. We're going to be talking about slavery. Um, Obviously, from American perspective, when someone mentions slavery, they immediately think of African-American Civil War, Abe Lincoln, Martin Luther King, the whole nine. Slavery has gone back, I mean, centuries. Let's lay the groundwork a little bit. You mentioned Indians had slaves. There's slaves going on today in the Muslim world in Africa. Um, Then you could talk about slavery from sin. It's a vast conversation. Let's lay the groundwork on slavery, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, so you go back more than centuries. You can go back millennia. In fact, scholars estimate that it goes back to about you know, 6,000, 8,000, 10,000 years ago, right? 6,000, 8,000 BC, back to, I mean, look in the Bible, right? Look in the Old Testament. The Jews are constantly slaves, whether to the Egyptians, uh, Neo Babylonian captivity that was around the year 600 BC under Nebuchadnezzar. Go back to scholars frequently trace it, Joe, back to ancient Mesopotamia. And in fact, what is ancient Mesopotamia today? It's a rock. And if you go in the Bible and you look in Genesis, it talks about the confluence. And I think this is Genesis 2, 8, 10, 8, 14. I'm a former Protestant, so I can quote scripture for you guys like that. Nice. Love it. <laughs> but, but it goes from, they talk about the Tigris and Euphrates River, the confluence coming together. And they intersected what? The Garden of Eden. So really, you could kind of begin the slavery story almost there. I mean, this goes back to the dawn of humanity. And before I came on, when we were, the three of us were just just talking together, I joked to you guys that, um, well, not joked, but pointed out that um, I'm Italian, like you guys. You wouldn't know from my last name. You would know from your last names. My, um, my mother's side... 100% Italian. Now, my father's side, that's where the name Ken Gore comes from. Ken Gore is actually Polish, and the word slaves comes from Slavus in Latin, which refers to Slavs, <laughs> the Slavs in Eastern Europe and throughout mm-hmm. that, that area. In fact, where I'm from in the Pittsburgh area, they've used the phrase um, hunky, bohunks. Those are all like pejoratives for, for Eastern Europeans. A lot of people probably outside of this area don't know that, but that's but that's a kind of a pejorative that's used. But so my dad's father, uh, my dad's family, Eastern Europeans, they were probably enslaved way far back. They might have been enslaved by the ancient Romans, which is closer to where my mother's family is from. Now, my mother's family is from Calabria. That whole area 
of you know Western Italy by the boot across from Sicily, they were constantly under threat from Muslim slavers. In fact, it was it was the Knights of Malta, the Siege of Malta, the Battle of Lepanto. Speaking of Our Lady, that protected that whole area of the Mediterranean, Italy, Sicily, Corsica, Sardinia, you know, all the way up to Venice, protected all of that area from being enslaved by Muslims. So and and. It, Northern Africa, there were I, – I, I, I'm jumping all over the place here. I'll no, it's all right. It's good. Please. But from about – from about the year 1530 to about 1730, there were over a million white European slaves owned by blacks in Northern Africa in that period. Great Wall of China is built by slaves. Ancient Romans had slaves. Uh, and of course, I say all of this not in any way to downplay the experience, the hellacious experience of what happened to black Americans. But I kind of I, I kind of hope, Joe and Joe, that uh, black Americans who read this book might take a slight degree of comfort by thinking, you know, at least I know that we weren't alone. Right? I, I yeah. mean, look at how many people throughout history have been enslaved. I mean, this is a that phrase, the worst of indignities that that comes from Pope Pius X, who, like Pope Paul III in 1537, about 500 years ago, so, said that slavery is an instrument of Satan, right, invented by by, by the father of lies. So this has been. If, 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 if it's bad enough that it involved black Americans, what makes it even worse and even and even more evil is that it's involved almost all of humanity from the beginning of time. So, yeah, this goes back thousands and thousands of years. But uh, Dr. Paul Kangor is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing his new book, The Worst of Indignities, The Catholic Church on Slavery. Problem with what you just said, as far as this, this culture that we live in, all right, is that it doesn't fit into the narrative. See, if you take a you see, if you want to objectively look at slavery, no matter who you are, you have to put down your ideology. You got to take off right. your ideological blinders. Okay. You 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 can't look at history and say, I'm I was more victimized as a slave than that person. Well, actually, no, because as you said, it's the worst of indignities. Your labor is being stolen to enrich somebody else, and it really doesn't matter the color of your skin. I want to get into this, Paul, real quick. Okay. You, you I, know, can I follow up with that? Sure, please. So, please. so yeah, two flashpoints here, all right? We follow what you're saying. 1619 and Columbus Day, okay? Now, the New York Times, Nicole Hannah-Jones are all now pushing the 1619 narrative, which conveniently comes right before Plymouth Rock in 1620. So they want to be able to say that, no, 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 what America was really founded on was slavery. That's the date when um, Black Africans were first brought to this continent as slaves. Well, guess what? And I include this in this book. There's a book that came out called White Cargo. It came out in the year 2007. And I think it was published by NYU Press. It's a scholarly press. And the authors were not agitators, not looking to cause any trouble. The year 1619 project hadn't started yet. And they date in their book the year 1618. Coincidentally, that's when the first white slaves were brought to America as indentured servants from Britain. Over 300,000 of them. <laughs> 
in total. Now, the and a lot of them, they they as a whole, they probably weren't treated as bad as black Africans that were brought to America, but they were auctioned, they were whipped, they were treated with great cruelty. And one other date, so Columbus Day, which we just which we just honored here a few weeks ago. Uh, actually, some of us have. Most people in America, including our president of the United States, are now celebrating what they call Indigenous Peoples Day. On Columbus Day, all right, the three of us all, you know, have Italian ancestry. Columbus was Italian. He was from Genoa, Italy. They're dissing Columbus for, among other things, his discovering America, somehow bringing slavery to America and so forth. I don't know if Columbus had slaves or not. Not Anyway, but uh, and I wrote an article on that. This is in the book. And I also wrote an article on it for the American Spectator called Indigenous Slavers, which you can find at spectator.org. American Indians had slaves. Right. Our indigenous people had slaves. Not and people are saying, yeah, well, I, I know what you mean, Professor. I've heard that they they enslaved one another. They didn't just enslave one another. They had black African slaves, the five so-called civilized tribes, Cherokee, uh, Creek, Iroquois, Choctaw, um, Seminoles, they all had black African slaves. A bunch of them fought with the Confederacy. In the Civil War, they fought on the side of the Confederacy. When the war was open, uh, uh, when the Civil War is over, still after the Emancipation Proclamation, a bunch of the a bunch of these American Indian tribes still own black slaves, and to this mm-hmm. day, there are black Americans who have lawsuits against those Native American Indigenous Peoples tribes, um, be- seeking restitution or reparation. For the cruelty, the, the vicious cruelty to, toward the toward those uh, you know, black American, black African slaves. Absolutely. So, so, so you know, so you know, don't just think about you know the pilgrims and the founders. Okay, again, you know, th- this is widespread, and uh, let's educate ourselves. But the problem with this, and Joe, this is what you're alluding to: to talk about these kind of inconvenient facts screws up the narrative, right? If you want to frame America. In your kind of anti-Western way, Columbus is the evil guy, the bad white guys from Europe and so forth. If, if that's your narrative, all of these things get in the way when you learn that, no, 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 dude, the indigenous peoples did it too. The Chinese mm-hmm. did it too. The greatest slavers in history, the Muslims, right? The North Africans did it too. The people in North Africa this day in Sudan are capturing slaves. Black Africans capturing black Africans, right? So, so we 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 need a, a more well-rounded understanding of what's really going on here. Well, sure. I, I, well, Dr. Paul, Paul Kangor is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, and we are way in the breach. The worst of indignities, the Catholic Church on slavery, is his new book out of the, uh, from Emmaus Road Press. Uh, Paul, let me ask you this, okay? Again, let's talk about let, let's let's get to the Catholic Church for a second. Now, I'm saying this respectfully. Uh, Bishop Barron, I have a lot of respect for Bishop Barron. I've learned a lot from him over the years. He made a comment in one of his interviews where he said uh, the Catholic Church was late to the game on slavery. And I remember being upset, very upset with that statement, because I, fla- I frankly expect a lot more from Bishop Barron because yeah, yeah. he's a smart guy. He's a knowledgeable guy. So mm-hmm. I want to just cover this. I know this. we could have 10 conversations on this question, so let, I want to just try to keep it brief. My reading is that as early as about 1430, there, wasn't, there was no Africans in America at that point, okay? There, were, there was no real European slavery. In 1430, Pope Eugene IV issued a bull condemning slavery because 
there was, I guess it was either Portuguese or Spanish, were going to, into the Canary Islands, and they were going to, uh, and they were enslaving the people of the Canary Islands. And the Pope made it clear under no uncertain terms, you will restore the liberty of these people immediately under pain of excommunication, all right? And every, I believe, century or so, roughly, after that, right up until after the American Civil War, right up until after America abolished slavery, okay, the church had stayed completely consistent on the issue of slavery, that it was a mortal sin and it was not allowed. Where am I, am I wrong, Paul Kangor? Because that tells me the church was absolutely not late to the game on slavery. Yeah, not at all. We, in fact, the church was before everybody else. And uh, I have great respect, like you, for, for Bishop Barron. And in fact, um, I, yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to him. I, I, I've interviewed him before. And, and uh, yeah, he, he's terrific. But, if, but, but that's, that's incorrect. And, and, and you're right, Joe. So the first one, December 1434 from, from Eugene IV. Uh, the next one, January 1435. And you know, speaking of Columbus, if I'm doing my math right, we're looking at you know 57, 58 years before uh, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, right? That was and this is and this is 200 years almost before the 1619 project and and all those other things. And and the encyclical from January 1435 is January 13th, 1435. It was called Sicut Dudum, okay. And the exact title, the official title of the encyclical was, are you listening people, quote, against the enslaving of black natives from the Canary Islands, unquote. So it, it even identifies the color of the skin of these people. And I've had, uh, I've heard people say, well, uh, maybe if the church wasn't so late on condemning slavery, it was at least late condemning the transatlantic slave trade, black slaves. Well, no, the transatlantic slave trade technically begins about the year 1444. So this is a full, de full decade before that. You could make the argument, Joe and Joe, that the church was late condemning the slavery of whites. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, but one might say, "Hey, where was the church when uh, when all the slavery was happening to the Jews and and uh, Paul and Joe and Joe's ancestors in Italy in the in the 1300s?" Right? You can make an argument about that. But but 1435, this statement against the enslaving of black natives in the Canary Islands in 1435, ten years, nine years exact, decade before the the Atlantic slave trade. No, the church was there. The church was way out ahead on this and way before, while we're still doing math, okay, 1435, that is four centuries before the Brits abolished slavery through Wilberforce. Right. Right. And, and the Brits abolished it 30 years before Lincoln did the Emancipation Proclamation. So our church is way ahead on this. And that's just formal papal bulls, exhortations that you can go back to. I point out in the book, the Council of Ogda in the year 506. You can go back to St. Patrick. St. Patrick had been a slave. Uh, and, and, you know, last I checked, you know, St. Patrick, well, I didn't check, but I assume that St. Patrick might have been a redheaded Irishman, right? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't, he, you know, he wasn't from Northern Africa like, you know, say Augustine was. And the church has had, uh, the church has had popes and saints who were slaves. Uh, so, so, you know, the, the church is way ahead on this. No one else is even close to the Catholic church on this issue. 
Well, thank you for saying that, Paul Kangora. You know, because that's one of those things. Again, you have if you if you if you want to be objective, if you say you're a seeker of the truth, then you have to look at the truth and then judge it and take off the ideological blinders. Joe Resinello. I, you guys were very charitable with uh, Bishop Barron, and I am not going to go in an uncharitable vein, but I just want to bring this up. I think it was a political statement. I'm I'm entitled to my opinion, and why do sure. I say that? A lot of what you guys are talking about, this is political. 1619 Project, MSNBC, Joy Reid. This is the way I look at it. Um, and again, I don't, I don't want to bash Bishop Barron. That's a political statement trying to give an outreach to the African-American right, community. Right. And, and, and frankly, no offense, I'm just going to call it like it is. You know, like I don't know the whole context, but that's how I see it. Um, but a lot of this and, – and we could talk about it now. It's a power grab. This is not about justice. This is not about justice. And frankly, a lot of what's going on right now, and again, full disclosure, my wife is African-American. I have five interracial children. I love everybody. I have an interracial one as well. Yeah. Well, there we go. There we go. Yeah. So my point is I'm not like picking a fight or I just want to find justice for all. And that's what our country is about. By, by the way, th that would mean that your kids are, and I don't mean this in a divisive way or a snooty way, probably as black as Barack Obama, right? Because because Obama's mother was white. And, and he was raised by white people, by the way. That's right. No that's one right. ever talks about that. I've right. said that a million and, times. And it's cool. We consider him, rightly so, the first black president. And my son, in his birth certificate, is considered um, black, although his mother is white. And his father is black. He's adopted. And uh, and again, that's, you know, that's all cool. But I'm just pointing out, when we start doing this racial identity stuff, you know, it, it's, it's not as simple as black and white. Hundred percent. Right? It's, it's much more complicated. But I do think people are looking for power. Like, like I would even say, what's going on right now, and we could talk about it because you know, uh, it's about power. It's not about justice. Like, and it's sickening. Like, if you ask me, like people should be judged by the content of their character. That's not what it's about. I want power, right. and it's not about the justice part your comments on that because i think you both alluded to it and even like i said the baron thing yeah i'm going to reach out to everybody through the love of christ through my actions i'm not going to pander some you know topic that now is vogue which in 25 years isn't going to be something else will be you know vogue your thoughts on it yeah, in fact, you're right. The Reverend King said that people should be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And it's really sad right now. And you could Google this, and you guys are you guys know it. You won't have to Google it. But there's a whole new push today among CRT advocates and other people on the hard ideo ideological left to say that colorblindness is actually racist. Mm. Um, I, I'm I'm doing a book right now on Ronald Reagan and race, and and Ray and you know Reagan was colorblind. He had been raised to be colorblind. I'm colorblind. I had been raised to be colorblind. Dr. King was colorblind, and now you have this whole new push of these you know so-called disciples of tolerance and diversity who are saying no colorblindness is a bad thing. We need to be identifying people by the color of their skin, right? It's <laughs> which which is which is ridiculous, right? But this is the whole kind of critical race theory narrative. It puts you in a camp and it identifies you by the color of whatever group whatever group you're with. You know, whereas Karl Marx and the Marxists would identify you according to class. By the way, Hitler 
identified people according to ethnicity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was taught, and you guys were probably taught, and I think we should never look at somebody as black or white, especially because, again, colors are, and ethnicity is so diverse, but uh, we should look at each other as, as fellow human beings made in the Imago Dei in the image of God, right? We're all brothers and sisters under Christ uh, in, in the human race. And, when, and what's funny too, is I had this conversation the other day where I had not even a conversation. I just pointed out to somebody because uh, they were saying something about the church. I was at work and uh, in the workplace, you want to be careful what you say nowadays. But I said, dude, I said, the Catholic church is not a white European institution. I said, it started <laughs> in the Middle East. It's right in North Africa. I said, so I don't even know what you're talking about. Started by um, Jews from, from the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So the church, the, 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 church, the church has it all. There's Catholics all over the world of all stripes and colors. We got to... Have a few minutes, uh, Dr. Paul Kangor, before the break. Let me let me ask you this. I get incensed when I look at a, um, a, a state like California that was founded as a Catholic territory with all the missionaries. All the major cities um, are all named uh, – uh, have all Catholic names. The, the capitals, Sacramento, okay? It's Sacramento, yeah. right, right, right. the city of the Ames, all of it, okay? Yeah. And in the case where they try to tear down people – uh, like Father, uh, like uh, Saint Junipero Serra and and others, saying that well, they treated the indigenous people very harshly. That's just quite frankly, there might have been individual instances, but as as a whole, the missionary activities of the church, whether it was in in the eastern part of North America uh, earlier on, or in California with Spanish, um, these individuals um, they treated the the indigenous people, as you mentioned, Imago Dei with love and respect and caring, not just for their temporal needs, but also for their spiritual needs. We'll, we'll probably pick it up after the break, but I'm going to throw it to you for the next couple minutes before we go to the break, Paul. Yeah, they should uh, they should take their issue to Pope Francis. Pope Francis canonized uh, Hennepero Serra, uh, and and yet yeah, he founded those missions all up all throughout throughout the state of California. Probably I've been to probably twenty times, mainly because of research I've done on Ronald Reagan at the Reagan Library and so forth. I've I've often stayed in the city of Ventura, which is actually named for San Buenaventura, Saint Bonaventure, and we would always walk by this big statue of of uh, Sarah in the middle of town. Last time I went there, Joe and Joe, like two years ago, the statue was down. It was torn down. Actually, it was removed from, from, from public threats. We then went to mass at Santa Barbara a couple Sundays later, and outside the mission in Santa Barbara, named for St. Barbara, they had uh, the Junipero Sarah statue there has been completely removed. It had red paint thrown on it, and I believe the one in Santa Barbara was decapitated. And by the way, it, it takes some serious work to decapitate a statue, man, right? I don't even know how you do that. I don't even know how you go about doing that. But the but all these commemoration statues of Anipero Serra, there's not one in a mission anywhere in California that's safe from vandals. Right. And the, 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 the one that happened in was a Sacramento, made of in Sacramento. They, uh, the, the scene of the crowd dancing up and down, hopping in the middle of the night, screaming with blowtorches and paint, chanting around the statue of, of, of Hinepero Serra. It was like something you'd see out of some movie about ancient pagans. It was unbelievable. So they've kind of channeled all their hatred of everything that they perceive about the West and Christianity and everything else upon Hinepero Serra. And oftentimes, a lot of people like Sarah Columbus and others, a lot of times 
if they had slaves un- under their whatever, it's because slavery already existed. This is a, an issue in the Bible, too, right? Well, slavery exists in the Bible. I know it does. It was part of what existed. But, you know, Christ came to change that, right, to redeem people. Just because it's there doesn't mean that who's ever there living with them at the time um, would have supported that or created slavery. Yeah, no, and 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 I'm gl- I'm glad you cleared that up. Paul Kengor is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Rosinello. We're way in the breach. Paul, real quick, uh, outside of the publisher, we always emphasize to our audience to please buy the book from the publisher. In this case, Emmaus Road Press. The book is "The Worst of Indignities: The Catholic Church on Slavery." The author is with us, Paul Kengor. Paul, where else can our audience members buy the book? Uh, you get it from Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com, wherever you want to go. Absolutely. And I do want to say something, uh, and then we're going to take a quick break in fairness uh, to uh, to Bishop Barron on a positive note is because we were mentioning Junipero Serra. As a layperson, I got com- I-, I don't know the word that I got, let's say overjoyed when BLM was marching down the street in Southern California and Bishop Barron was out there in front of that statue yeah. with a group of Catholics praying the rosary. And I don't know what happened after that, but that statue didn't oh, he come was down great. that day. He was great on Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think he's great on really just about everything. So yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I love Baron. I know you. That's do one of the things we try to do here, Paul, on the show. We think there's a lot of divisiveness out there. There's a difference between attacking and respectful criticism. And right. but I did want to mention that because because I remember just like I said, just as a man, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it, Bishop Baron. Get book. out there. I hadn't even thought to do that. I should send him this book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Paul Kengor is with us. We're on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith of the New York City metropolitan area. So we're going to take a quick break. Please don't leave uh, because this is a fascinating conversation, an important conversation, uh, a relevant conversation. So stick around and we're going to come right back. Catholic Radio works. And now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. We are way, way, way in the breach with Dr. Paul Kengor. We're discussing his new book, The Worst of Indignities, The Catholic Church on Slavery. It's available at the publisher, Emmaus Road Press. You could also buy it at Amazon if you need to, um, and Bard's Noble. Joe Resinello, let's keep it rocking. Well, on the other side of the break, we talked a little bit about history. We talked about how the church has basically fought against slavery, its record on slavery, and frankly, anyone could look it up. I want to talk about modern slavery, what's going on at the border. Last I heard, and Paul, you probably know more than I, the UN um, stated that there are 40 million slaves today, could be more, I've heard as many as 60 million, living on the earth. There are clearly (laughs) slaves in America that are human trafficked. Through the border, that is a fact, it's absolutely undeniable let's talk about that and the church's response to it yeah there are groups out there today with names like free the slaves right 
And and I've seen numbers uh, in the book. I think I cite statistics ranging from 26 million to 40 million um, slaves today around the world. Now they're not all um, certainly what we call traditional chattel slavery. They're not being packed in ships like uh, you know like you know, sandwiched in like like sardines in the most inhumane, disgusting fashion like Black Africans were three or four hundred years ago. Um, but but there but there's all kinds of different forms of modern slavery, uh, you know, sex trafficking with a movie that just came out with Jim Caviezel, right? Sound of Freedom, mm. uh, calling it calling attention to this. Pope Francis has issued many statements, um, seminars, conferences. He's really done a lot on this issue. It's mentioned in many of his papal statements, encyclicals, um, apostolic exhortations. Uh, so he's been really out in front of this, out in front of this issue, really kind of a seamless transition going back to popes 600 years ago in the case of, uh, of, of Pope Francis. And then there are also, in, in modern Northern Africa, including Sudan, once again being done by, by Muslims against, uh, against Christians, there are cases, in fact, you could Google U.S. State Department report on modern slavery in Africa. Uh, you know, Google it, look it up, read it, and weep. Uh, it, it, it's crazy that this is still going on. And I'd much rather see um, you know, some of the people, the, these ideologues today in the CRT movement, um, okay, good, condemn slavery in the American past, good, we all should, we should know about it, but that did end in, in the mid 1800s. All right, even if some indigenous Indian tribes continued it, uh, but direct your efforts now to maybe stopping modern slavery where it's going on in Northern Africa. Right? Uh, you know, direct some of those energies to stopping an evil that actually exists now and is growing right now. Now, you know, I know that doesn't help the narrative, which is what you want to do, which is attack America and the West. Um, but but you know, that's a valuable thing that you could be doing with your time and energy. I want to expand on that because you mentioned Francis, you mentioned Africa, because Francis uses the term neocolonialism. Right. And this is something that is going on in Africa where you have Western countries like America, elites, mainstream media that are pushing our values on people that aren't interested in them, pushing contraception, pushing abortion. These countries are are Catholic, not predominantly, but there are huge Catholic populations in places like Nigeria, Uganda, and we're pushing our values and basically hold up aid as a result of, if you don't do this, you don't get that. Yet everyone is okay with that. Everyone in the media is okay with that. Is that not a form of slavery. It's not putting people, quote unquote, in chains. But if I'm not going to give you food because you won't contracept or you won't be open to abortion or you won't legalize same sex marriage, that to me is not just talk about that, because that's going on right now by countries in Europe, countries in, in North America, Canada, America, Australia. Please comment. 
Yeah, we're imposing our Western secular values on those people. But you're not right? supposed to do that. Right. That's you're exactly right. To... Now, that, that's a kind of imposing of our Western values that um, these anti-Western ideologues today like, right? Now, if the Western values are Judeo-Christian, right, if, if you know, that, you know, that, that's something altogether different. But yeah, going back to, I mentioned Egypt earlier, the Cairo conference in the early 1990s, the population conference, um, First Lady Hillary Rodham Clinton, Vice President Al Gore. Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly what they were pushing, and they're pushing it aggressively today. And they'll do things like try to deny you aid if you don't, um, not, you know, not just population control and abortion, but we have governments in the West now, right now, including in the Biden administration, that are doing it according to LGBTQ stuff. Right. Right. Uh, that's happening there as well. You know, the only rainbow flag that you'll see anywhere in any Middle East country is flying outside the U.S. embassy. I had a friend that was in Rome in June, and he said the only rainbow flag that he saw in all of Pride Month, as it's called in, you know, in the United States, was literally the one outside of the U.S. embassy um, by the Vatican. <laughs> Right. So, you know, that, but, th but those are, you know, that's an imposition of Western values that these people like and they want. So they're not afraid of shoving values down other people's throats. It just depends on whose values. But, it, but I just want to co comment on that ahead, more Joe. because you know what it is? It's I know better than you. In, like you're poor. And ironically, a lot of these people are black and brown. They're yeah, poor. Yeah. And I know better than you. Who are you to say that? Like, right, like right. You, people have a culture. They have a right to their own ideas, their own borders, their like their own religion. No, no. I know better than you. We're seeing that even in America in many respects. I'm a second class citizen in many respects. I'm a Catholic. I believe in everything the church teaches. Well, I still have to pay taxes and support things that my religion sure as heck that don't my children have to get subjugated to things on television and things in school systems that i don't prescribe to but they like my tax dollars i'm a second class citizen in america you know I doesn't mean, doesn't it drive you both crazy as um as, as fathers of, uh, of of interracial children right when you hear about uh, you know, cultural bias in the SAT and so forth. They'll say cultural bias. Like, well, we need we need more questions that appeal to to um, black American youth. Right. It's like, really? Like what? Now, what would those be? <laughs> right. And, they, and they'll come up with something that has to do with like rap music or something like that. And I'll say, well, 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 well damn, if that's not prejudice and stereotyping. I mean, my, you know, my son, my son's middle name is Augustine. By the way, Augustine was from northern Africa. All right. He was at least half black. And, 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 you know, my kid, the music that he likes is, is classical. Uh, you know, you're you're going to tell my, my son that he has to like rap music or 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 hip hop or something like that. I mean, you talk about racists. Go, you know, go to the vast majority of people that would be considered black in the world are not from, you know, inner city America. They're from totally different cultures. But we have these kind of secularists in America we're again coming up with their definition of our values and shoving them down the throats of other people. What's the video the documentary by Matt Walsh? Is it uh, what is a man or what is, what's a woman? What is, what is, what is a woman? What is a woman? That's it. And he's, and he's interviewing those tribesmen in Africa 
And he's asking them words like non-binary and transgender. And the translator can't even translate these words to these guys because they don't even have a word to try to describe it. And then when he describes what Walsh is talking about, these guys just laugh. Paul, let me cut you off for one second. How, can you now again? This is this is me speculating, okay? But I'm really throwing this out there to you. How many of those Western elites that constantly preach tolerance and everything else probably looked at that and looked at those African American men, okay, and said some pretty racist things, if not yeah. out loud, but in their hearts? Let's be let's be we're real guys. Let's put that on the table. These right. white Western elites looked at these guys and probably said things that you wouldn't want to say in polite company. Right. And also just looked at those guys as like black people when when in fact what they are is they are just members of the giant human race all over the world. And, you know, you don't think a certain way just because of the color of your skin. Right. So for 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 those kind of, you know, white secular Westerners to look at those guys and think, hmm, black African man, he must think like this or like that. I mean, there's nothing more racist than that, which, again, is why uh, MLK and others said judge by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Right. I, I, I mean, we're, we're all members of the human race made in the Imago Dei, the image of God. And, and Paul Kengor, let me let Joe and I say on the show all the time, uh, if Dr. Martin Luther King was alive today and he made that statement, he'd be canceled. <laughs> Probably so, so. So, so let's get that straight. Now, listen, Joe mentioned power earlier. Uh, you mentioned uh, critical race theory. How much of this is just straight up uh, imposition uh, of Marxist ideology? I mean, when you look at it, let me give you an example, and I'll throw it over to you. Uh, Ibram X. Kendi, who makes more money than probably all of us. Okay. <laughs> right, uh, together. It, 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 together. Um, Ibram X. Kendi says, and and people like him and critical race theory is that if you're not anti-racist, um, then 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 you're 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 not in the club. Let's put it like that. Now, to me, when I hear that, what I'm saying is, no, I can't. My heroes can't be Clarence Thomas, let's say, and other people like him. Uh, my my heroes have to be uh, left wing. Uh, you know, I have to basically, in order for me to be anti-racist, I have to adopt in my heart and in my mind and in my soul left-wing political policies. Okay, am I wrong, Paul? No, you're exactly right. And um, I was looking quickly in my book to see if I could find it. I couldn't, but but there's a statement from Kendi that says something like, "There is no such thing as a non-racist idea or non-racist policy." Right? And he actually wants this like literal full federal U.S department in washington that would be tasked with with uh rooting rooting out racism but uh yeah no and and in fact he looks at everything through the prism of race which is what you know we were told growing up and what mlk said we were not supposed to do we were not supposed to look at everything through race and what and and the way that the 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 critical race theory the crt advocates borrow this from Marxism, all right? And CRT does have Marxist roots. I've written about it. Other people have written about it. There's a book called Race Marxism um, out by James Lindsay. Chris Rufo has a, has a new book out. I mean, this is absolutely undeniable. But but they, they, you know, Karl Marx and Engels and communism, they had this general superstructure where they looked at the whole world according to economics and class. So you were either in the proletariat or the bourgeoisie, one or the other, right? And depending on which group you were in, you oppose the other group. So they pitted people against one another in these antagonistic hostile camps. And they would tell you, no, 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 you're a member of that group. You need to think that way, believe that way. And by the way, the member of the other group, you need to, you need to hate them. 
right? They're persecuting you. What the CRT advocates have done is they've taken that same Marxist superstructure, according to economics and class and classical Marxism, and they've done it with race. And in their case, it's even worse because of all the people of the 180 countries in the world, of all the different races. I mean, you should look at my family's Ancestry.com results. I mean, my wife has a few percentages of everything you could imagine in, in, in her, right? So to go and suddenly tell everybody in the world you're either black or white, I mean, that's one of your two options, but I, I, I thought I thought these people didn't believe in binary stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? But, but but to look at everybody just as one of those two categories, and then telling them, well, okay, you might think Kobe Bryant that you came from a wealthy family from a wealthy suburb in Philadelphia, and you're worth over a hundred million dollars, and you have all these beautiful kids, and you've had this great life, and you think you've been blessed, but no, 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 Kobe, you are black, so you are in the repressed category. And you need to see the white people as your repressors. And Kobe's like, man, come on. I grew up speaking Italian, <laughs> right? <laughs> My daughters have Italian names. I mean, I, well, no, no, I don't feel that way at all. You don't? Well, you need to be enlightened. Your, your, your consciousness needs to be raised on this issue. So it is so simplistic. It is so racist. It's so stereotypical. And again, it's not the way that we're supposed to see people. Paul Kengor, one of the things that Joe and I say on the show, and then I'm going to throw it over to Joe. And um, if you're just joining us, uh, Paul Kengor is here to talk about his new book, The Worst of Indignities, The Catholic Church on Slavery, which is available at um, at Emmaus Road Press. Um, is, yeah, it, 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 you know, I, I always I always think that, you know, that's really what it comes down to is they, they have to keep pushing the narrative. They push, they push, they push, they push. Um, I look at it this way. You mentioned, that, uh, let's say, Marx and Engels, they broke down history in terms of class. Now we're talking about race, or, and then the feminists talk about gender. That's why we're Catholic. That's why, you know, you're talking about, you wrote a book about what the Catholic Church stands on this. The Catholic Church has has history exactly right. Catechism 409, the, all of human history is a struggle between man and the forces of evil. When you get that through your head, you might be able to make some headway if you truly are opposed to slavery and all the other injustices that have occurred in human history. Maybe you should keep that in mind. Not about white, black, race, class, men, women, all this nonsense. It's all about man against the forces of evil. Joe Racinello. Let's talk about where you see this going. I mean, we see this um, with ESG, virtue signaling coming from corporations. Um, you know, clearly 20 years ago, Obviously, racism existed, always existed. There are racists, but I would say America overall, at least, I mean, I come from, you know, a very um, multiracial area, you know, in New Jersey, work in New York City, all types of people. Clearly, there are racists, but people seem to be getting along pretty well. Now, all of a sudden, we have this race war going on, um, and it's being virtue signaled through ESG policies that are coming out of corporate America, using it as leverage. Um, talk about that, because if you ask me, um, people have bought it. I mean, they buy it hook, line and sinker, just like they buy the border as if like we're here to help these people. In a sense, yes. But in a sense, no, that's a power play, too. I think it's about votes. If you ask me, who am I? What do I know? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah. And by the way, Catholic means universal, doesn't it? Right. There I mean, you go. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a universal church. But yeah, I mean, at a time when, 
I mean, there are more multiracial marriages and families than ever before, right? And and no one would ever say, well, racism no longer exists. I'm sure it does, but I mean, you know, the three of us, you know, we're all white. We're considered white. I got to tell you, I really, I really don't have any anybody I know who's a racist. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. And I got to go back to probably probably about 40 years, I'd say the early 80s, uh, kind of blue collar neighborhoods and so forth before I can even um, remember people using the N-word, um, maybe early 90s as well. I guess I heard some guys using it in college, but it's been decades, right? It, I, I mean, it, it really seems like finally in this country, we're, we're now really beyond that. I mean, look at TV, look at commercials on TV. We've never been more more diverse. And I, I quote in the book, I mean, there are CRT people today um, who are, and in fact, I quote uh, the attacks on Amy Coney Barrett's right for for having adopted haitian children and, and it just out, outrageous that what they referred to them as her as like as, as like a form of modern colonial slavery mm-hmm. that she and her husband went to went to haiti during that horrible hurricane and they came back with a couple haitian kids i mean isn't that what they want us to 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 do right people the pro-choicers will say well if you really care about the baby after it's been born why don't you go adopt some kids Actually, we all do. That's, our, that's, say, that's a pretty big example right there. Yeah, that's really what we're doing. Uh, hey, why don't you go adopt some? Right? You find out that they never actually do. I've adopted two, right? Um, but yeah, so you know, we're at a point now where that's going on like ever before. And yet there are some kind of hardcore racial ideologues that are against that, that are a- actually against it. So I, I feel like finally at a time when we're moving beyond all of this, if I could go spiritual here, I think this is a diabolical attack when when just when America has really turned the corner a lot, a lot of this stuff, something or some force comes in and wants to divide us on race, wants to antagonize us on race. Um, you know, it wants to divide us over it just when we're finally coming together. It's not the 1950s well, anymore. But Paul Kangor, let me ask you this. Um you know, Joe and I, the one of the reasons we started to do this show a few years ago is because a good priest encouraged us to have these conversations to get there, to, to be bold Catholic men. That's that's what he said. You guys, you got mouths. You're from Newark, New Jersey. Get out there and go <laughs> speak the truth. Great. That's what we do. So I can I can hear maybe somebody out there, guy like us, right, saying, well, what are we going to do about it? Now, we you've offered a number of different things. Obviously, we can live as Catholics, okay? We we could we live a sacramental life, a prayerful life, Um and that gives us the grace we need uh, to to go out into the world and confront these things as Catholics. But on 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 a day to day basis, okay. As far as uh, let's think of the media and other institutions, what could we do to push back? Now, would that might require political action of some kind? If there is any sort of solution in that regard, so at least put the brakes on some of this nonsense. Yeah, I think you know where I'm going with the question. Uh, what what could we do to, 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 to push back, really like give them a good jolt back? Well, three words, educate, educate, educate. And the way that you have to do that, I think, is through uh, media like this, shows like this. When someone like myself writes a book like this, and there's not many of us writing books like this, I'm at the point where I just don't care anymore, right? I mean, they're going to call me names no matter what, so I might as well go out and try to try to teach the truth on this. And then for um, guys like you, Joe and Joe, to have me on your show and get it out there, 
get it on the airwaves, get it on the internet and uh, spread it that way because they're not getting it in our universities. They're not getting it in our colleges. They're not getting it in our public schools. They're not getting it in a lot of Catholic schools, right? So when resources like this are out there and anybody who actually pauses to read this book will say, all right, I'm convinced he's, he's right. You know, the idea that the Catholic Church didn't get around to abolishing slavery until Vatican II or Leo XIII, that's <laughs> clearly wrong. That's clearly, clearly wrong. Uh, so so you, you get it out there and then you get it in people's hands. And it, it's, it, it's, it's tough, guys, because we're always looking for a single one fell swoop solution, right? Pass this piece of legislation, elect this particular person, do A, B, or C, and it's done. It's a long slog, and all you can do is chip away at it and try to make a difference, too, in the immediate people around you. And this thing out there called the internet and media and social media, which is so often used against us and to, to divide us, it can be used as a positive tool um, to educate for truth um, if we seize it and use it in the right way, like we're doing right here, right now. No, absolutely. And, I, and I'm glad you said that. And that's what we really have to do is, you know, Joe and I say, you know, we got the line from uh, from Bishop Olmsted, you know, going into the breach. He called on men to go to go into the breach. We were, you know, partly inspired by that. But it's true, though. You got to get out there. Like Joe says all the time, you think because you might be you, right now, you might be immune from it. You might feel a little bit sheltered from all the nonsense. Sooner or later, the knock comes knocking at your door. And then what are you going to do about it? Might as well get out there now. All right, throw it, throw your hat in the ring, get in the fight. The worst thing to do is sit on the sidelines when also the sidelines are quite boring. Um, nobody wants to say we want to be in the game. Joe, we probably have about, I'm going to guess, five minutes left, probably enough time for, for one more question. Where do you want to go? Well, I, I, I like what Paul said about educating, and I think that's spot on. I think we also, and you're doing it, clearly you adopted two children that are of color, uh, Joe and I are married to African-American women. I think it's just actions. People have to see our faith in action, loving people. Um, and when they see that, it's hard to refute it. Because if you refute it, you look like the bad guy. Because it, like it's like poking holes at saying Mother Teresa. Like someone would be like, how could you how could you do that? Or you poke holes at someone who lives such a good life. Um, how how could you do that? Talk about that, because I think that's even education is very important. Hundred percent agree with you. That's what we try to do here. But just even lower on the grassroots level, loving people, no matter who they are, what color they are, what religion they are, treating them with respect, dignity, equality, your thoughts. Yeah, and then they find out that you're Catholic, right? And you say, well, yeah, this is an extension of my Catholic faith to treat you this way. And I would add um, courage, three words for if John Paul II helped make famous, be not afraid. And and Joe quoted before my favorite section of the catechism, section 409, uh, the whole of man's history is a story of dour combat between the forces of good and forces of evil, stretching our good Lord tells us from the very beginning of time to the very end of time. Wow, I can't believe I just got that off the top of my head. Nice. Uh, but 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 the so what that tells us is these battles go on all the time. So today it might be fighting these divisive racial ideologues. In the 40s, it might have been fighting fascists and Nazis. 
Before that, it might have been fighting communists. Before that, maybe fighting slavers, whoever. But you know, on that battlefield, you have to fight for good. And sometimes it might involve somebody coming up and um, you know making your life miserable for speaking the truth. But I don't want to be standing at, at, you know, before the gates of St. Peter someday, and 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 the good Lord saying to me. Well, why didn't you defend me and my church on this particular issue when you knew what so-and-so was saying against it was lies? And I find myself saying, well, you know, Lord, I didn't want to be called a bigot on Twitter, right? I, I, I didn't want to be called a hater on Twitter. I mean, how pathetic would that be? And then he goes, well, what, here, take a look here. I'd like you to meet this lovely girl named St. Perpetua. Felicity. You want to see what they look like the moment before they were ripped to shreds by lions in the Colosseum? All right. You know, come on, have some guts, man. You know, stand up for what's right. So be not afraid. And I would add, be not afraid, be courageous and try to have a winsome, positive attitude. Try to have fun while you're doing it. It's not always easy when you're dealing with issues like this, but as best as you can, try to be a cheerful warrior and try to make a difference in the circles immediate around you, especially in your own family. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I, I I keep thinking in my mind, like when you said, have a, have a good have a good attitude. I remember uh, praying in front of uh, with a group of people, a large group of people, um, in front of Planned Parenthood down down in New York, and it's funny. It did the thought. What you just said made a uh, trigger the thought in my mind. I remember getting mocked and spit at and point in your face by all the, you know, pro-abortion crazies. And then afterwards, we we processed down to Old St. Patrick's, and after mass was was over, then we went across the street and had donuts and coffee, and we talked about uh, and we talked about how how wonderful it was, and there was turnarounds, and we saved babies today, and everything else. And that's what it just thought in my mind. Yes, go into it. We we win the we win the battle. We flip to the end of the book. We already know who wins. Okay, let's be on the winning team. Paul Kengor, uh, in about a minute or so, what do you got going on? Any new books? Uh, where uh, our audience members can find you? Social media, all that fun stuff. Yeah, thanks. So I'm the editor of the American Spectator, and that's uh, spectator.org. You can go there, read my article archive, sign up for free to get my articles there. I teach at uh, Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania. We have um, the Institute for Faith and Freedom here, faithandfreedom.com. Go to Amazon for my books. Um, I mentioned a pope and a president earlier, and I've written probably about 20 books. So any of those places, you could check me out. And I'm always writing uh, multiple books at once, in addition to uh, trying to raise a bunch of kids and and a bunch of chickens and turkeys as well out here in uh, rural western Pennsylvania, about an hour north of uh, Pittsburgh. I love the combination. The Steelers. Yeah. Awesome. And, 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 and the best thing about you writing more books is that means you're going to be back on the front line with Joe and Joe many times in the future. Oh, I'd love to. You guys are great. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Paul Kengor. Remember, everybody, go out to this this book in particular. Now, please go and look at all his books. This book in particular, The Worst of Indignities, The Catholic Church on Slavery. Joe and I say on the show all the time, we need to educate ourselves. This topic is one I think is a priority. Let's educate ourselves on our church and its response to slavery. Please do so. Paul Kengor, as I said, uh, thank you again, and you are welcome back here anytime. Uh, thank you all out there for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, one. 
103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith of the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content wherever you see Joe and I on social media, Rumble, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, like, subscribe, share. Share this video when you see it. Anything you got to do to help us out. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.